Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, can kids predict the future? Plus, Biz is trying to lose control and is joined by guest host Rebecca Bloom. And we talked to Chandra Austin about her new children's book, Kiana's Braids. Woo! Woo! Even though I said I had a co-host, I'm wooing all alone. <laughs> because parenting. <laughs> Rebecca, who's going to be joining me as co-host, is uh, having a little technical family-related hiccup. So I'm just going to keep us going here with a little introduction. And when she arrives, she will join us for the topic. But before we do that, I need to say, again, how thankful we are for all of the essential workers. I can't say enough of the thank yous. There are so many people out there who, since this pandemic began, have absolutely had to work because the jobs that they have, be it medical, be it service industry, be it clerk at a store or a bagger or a delivery person, these are jobs that have needed to be performed to keep us all going. And you are amazing. And we know that this is incredibly difficult and has forced difficult conversations. You have your own families that you have to take care of. And it is just a lot. And we see you. I'd also like to take a moment to give a special shout out to everyone who is volunteering during these times. If you are volunteering by giving blood, if you are volunteering by taking people meals or checking on your neighbors, by amusing someone's child through FaceTime or over a fence, or if you've been volunteering to help get this country ready for elections in November, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, how am I doing, Biz? (laughs) Well, since this is the first time in a week I have had any time alone to myself, I'm doing better than I was an hour ago. Well, actually, an hour ago, I was in therapy crying. (laughs) Because I'm I'm really done. A lot of slippery slopes happening. uh, but But the real thing I think I'm struggling with, and there are a lot of things going on, not just the pandemic, But the show, Stefan's work, uh, the kids in school, my parents, like a variety of different things that a year ago I felt I had some control over. (laughs) And that now I have zero control, like going up a mountain, like to find inner inner guidance, uh, inner peace from like some sort of yogi, that kind of no control, except I don't think I've been willingly giving away that sense of control. (laughs) I feel like it's being ripped from me. And I don't like it. Some of you may know that. 
if you've listened to the show for a number of years. I like things. I like puzzles. I can control them and put their things in their place. Isn't that nice? Life is not a puzzle, and that's a big disappointment. (laughs) In fact, I have no control over what's going on right now in my life, and I have no control on what's going to happen in the future. But I do know something I can control for just a split second, and that is Ellis has brought to my attention that Katie Bell has been a guest on this show a number of times, and he has not, and he would like to come and say hello. So everybody, without further ado, I present Ellis. Hello. You remember me from one of the episodes. That's right. Ellis, I have a question for you. Okay, what is it? All right. How have you been enjoying, what do you think about all the sheltering at place, not being at school, summer at home. What do you think I about all that? I kind of like it, and I kind of don't like it. Ooh, that's new. Well, first, tell us why you kind of like it. I'm going to like it because I'm seeing my family, but I don't like it because I don't see my friends. Yeah, that is hard. That is. What is your favorite thing? Do you have a favorite thing you and I have done over all this time together? Like I a... don't think so. <laughs> no? No, nothing good? I don't think I have a favorite. Oh, okay. I have been enjoying being outside with you. Yeah, me too. Oh, good. All right. Do you want to tell everybody goodbye? Bye. <laughs> Bye, One Bed Mothers. <laughs> See you next time I come on. Woo, Ellis, good job. Thank you. Thank you, Ellis. Through the magic of podcasting, uh, Ellis has spoken and has left. And with me now is Rebecca Bloom, who is going to be my co-host for today. And I'm going to tell you more about her when we get into our topic But just like I have learned I can't control Ellis or anything else in my life, I think that ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today, which is uh, the future. (laughs) Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Rebecca is a friend of mine, and she's joining me as a co-host. <laughs> Hi, Ben. <laughs> Hi. I am going to share a little information about you, but to be honest... I don't want to take away the thrill of asking you who lives in your house. So all I'm going to say is you and I are friends and you have been teaching early childhood education and early elementary education for 16 years. Uh, Now, who lives in your house? Ooh, uh, myself, (laughs) Mm -hmm. my husband, Chuck, our 15-month-old baby, Noam, And then from time to time, four, (laughs) any four of my stepchildren can grace us with their presence as they will tonight. Two of them will be sleeping over. How old are the stepchildren? They are 10, 
almost 15, 15 this weekend, 17 and 20, but the 20 year old lives in Israel. So he graces us with his presence a little less. <laughs> that. Less, less frequently. A lot of teens. It's a lot of teens. It is. Oh my gosh. Three teens. Three teens and a baby. Yeah. Yeah. That is so, so interesting and so much. Uh, I have to stop and tell everybody, recording from home definitely sets up challenges. Rebecca is literally hiding in a very small closet. And at first, there were no lights on. And now there's like a flashlight kind of light on. And I don't... Yes. Super creepy, right? Yeah, like, it's it super looks creepy. like I'm in a horror movie. Yes. I'm so sorry. Yes, well, I was just saying to Katie Bell, wouldn't a Zoom horror movie be great? You no. know, like how you lose somebody, like somebody like drops off. Oh, we just lost somebody. They dropped off, but like they're actually they've dropped off because they're dead. Like I've got two sheets hanging behind me. This is new. I have two sheets. And any moment, they could be just ripped open, and I could be stabbed to death. <laughs> you know, last week, <laughs> I did this wait, I did this workshop last week with this organization called Teaching Tolerance. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. But they put you in breakout rooms, and I'd never done it before. Mm. So you went like, zoop, yeah. and then like, and then we were all meeting and talking, and then people started disappearing. Yeah. But it's just how breakout rooms work on Zoom, which I didn't even know about. Oh, see... My kindergartner, uh, becoming first grader, they were all into the breakout room. Oh, they know all about it? <laughs> they I don't even know about it. They know all about it. Oh, um, never mind. Yeah. I just, I, I, I want to make a joke about spending seven minutes in heaven with you right now <laughs> because you are in a closet. But instead, we're going to talk about the future. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I mean, because it's. It's looking rosy. Please. It, Let's go there. It's Let's great. go there instead of here. Yeah, I would like to emphasize this is not an adult's version of what <laughs> I don't want to know what you think the future holds. And you guys for sure do not want me to share what dark apocalyptic future I think is waiting for us. Instead, I kind of want to talk about like how kids see the future. <laughs> I'll just start with Ellis is very certain of his future and he has known this for a long time and he is ready to tell you that he is going to grow up and continue to live in this house which I think is a norm for the Mm -hmm. future definitely Uh, I will definitely be he is going to live with me forever but he's also going to get married and have four children they'll be named Ellis, 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 and Katie Bell. And he's very excited about being a parent. And I'll be there to help. That's so kind of you. Isn't it nice? Wait, I have a question. Yeah. Is Stefan involved in this? There's no mention. I was just about to say. There is never mention of anyone else who currently lives in this family. Uh, Let me just quick flash to Psycho. So... Yeah, all right, so this curtains, again, like I said, these sheets, any minute, are going to be pulled back, and I will be stabbed. So that's one example of the future, and Ellis is six, and I guess this seems a, I have nothing to compare it to. Mm-hmm. I, sure, all six-year-olds will live with them forever. 
You know, I remember exactly what my plan was at six. Oh, okay. It, I went to a babysitter's super regularly, working mom, single working mom, went to a babysitter's. And my closest and oldest friend, Erin O'Donnell, and I <laughs> decided that we were each going to marry one of two brothers. Mm. I was going to marry David, and she was going to marry Michael, and we were all going to live in a house with bunk beds. That is incredibly romantic. Because they went to our babysitters also. So oh. And, like, the ages worked out. Like, he was older, and I was older, and she was younger, and he was younger. Yeah. And yeah. there would be bunk beds. That's really <laughs> nice. I'm trying to remember. Once I saw the movie Oliver and Company, which is a not very well-known Disney movie yeah. with Billy Joel and a little cat who has to learn some street sense that. in New York City. I knew that I was going to live in New York City. Oh. I was... I would say, like, reoccurring themes were definitely uh, New York and definitely out of there. I did not want to live with my family forever. <laughs> I will say, it's funny, and the marriage thing is making me think of just that sort of, like, romanticized, idealized, like, it's funny, I think, that, like, the future for kids lots of times involves... Well, I'll be married. I'll have a certain job. Yes. I'm gonna have kids. Like, and and usually it is about somebody that you know. I have like yes. a long list of boys. I was sure I was going to marry. And sorry, Marty Holt, didn't work out. <laughs> didn't didn't Just work didn't. out. But I still have that picture of you with a deer you slaughtered <laughs> on a hunting trip. Still have that somewhere. Because you were really cute in that picture, and I grew up in Alabama. So. (laughs) It's so true, though. The marriage thing for kids at that age is so, like, concrete for them. Uh, When I moved to Brooklyn, and it didn't happen to me when I taught in California, but when I was teaching in Brooklyn, I was teaching second grade, I had kids who I was trying to explain that I had a roommate. And they were like, but you're not married? And yeah. I was like, you don't rub it in, you jerks. Yeah. Like they, they just, like, it just, they couldn't, we had to talk about it several times. They were well, very confused. I think, but that really actually, I think, kind of speaks to the images that we project and, like, put out there that are around our kids all the time. I mean, like, even in a household that you grew up in with a single working mom, you still had this idea that you were going to get married. And I don't know what I've done in my house, but Katie Bell, (laughs) her future involves no children and very possibly no relationship. Even though I'm like, well, Stefan and I are a good time. What's going on? You know, like we grew up watching a lot of sitcoms, a mm-hmm. lot of that like portrayed a future that involved, you know, an immediate sort of family, traditional family dynamic. Mm-hmm. But my kids aren't growing up with that, with, you know, Netflix yeah. and things like that. There's no like, this is the one story and it comes out on one of three channels every night and we don't. I'm like, I don't think Katie Bell's ever watched a sitcom. They don't have that setup. 
like we did. So I wonder how much that plays into it. I don't know. I'm overthinking it. I don't know, it. but, you know, I really do, Biz, I really do think that kids often, and granted, my my test audience is my own family. Yeah. But I think that children often do have a sense of, like, what they do and don't want. Like, mm. apparently at 10, I told my mom that I loved her very much, but that when I was 18, I was getting my own apartment. Yeah. Which was... <laughs> Totally true. I was like, I'm out of here. Goodbye. Yeah. And my sister, a younger sister of mine, always was like, yeah, I'm going to live next door to mom and dad. And she still lives in Lubbock, Texas, where both of our, where both my dad and stepmom live. Wow. And I don't think she'll ever leave. Wow. Like, I think children kind of know. Yeah. Like, the general gist. Like, Katie Bell maybe is like, yeah, I'm, I'm on an adventure. Yeah. And Ellis is like, I want my mom forever. <laughs> forever. Forever and ever. No, and I I love the free spirit of the future, like that the kids that Katie Bell has in particular, because mm-hmm. that is very similar to me. But like I find it interesting that there's not a lot of like, well, in the future. You know, if I were to ask the kids, what's it going to be like in 20 years? They're going to say, like, Katie Bell's going to say she's going to be living in Japan with one of her friends. Okay? Because that's what she's really wants to do now. And then Ellis will be living with me. But there aren't flying cars. We're still living in, you know, Pasadena, not the moon or whatever. Like, I don't... Is there... You're an early education person. So, like, is there... Is there, like, a space in their brain developmentally at that age that it is more about sort of intimate details mm-hmm. in the future before they get to the, like, in the year 2020, the dog will walk itself, right? Like Totally. Totally. I think it starts with the things that they know, and yeah. it depends on how big their world is, right? Like, Ellis's world is in Pasadena, and Katie yep. Bell's world, just those, like, four or five year difference is in like she's now shifted to like a global perspective yeah if you're the kind of family that has lived in kansas for five generations and has never left like why would it be different yeah no that's interesting and it will be interesting to see what this experience that we're living in right now how that will affect their versions of the future because people's worlds are very very small Right now. Yes. Like, even smaller than if they were already small, right? Like Totally. Like, and so that's interesting. And I feel like people, either they love it yeah. and that works for them, or they're going to flipping lose their mind. Yes. Get I'm going to raise my hand. As far away as possible, <laughs> as soon as possible. People are just going to lose their shit. Katie Bell's going to be like, can I go to college now? Now. Can I, like, today. now at 12? Is that okay? I, I know everything. I've got the car packed. Yeah. Let's go. I figured out driving. Um, <laughs> so do you remember as a kid, Did you? I'm doing a funny thing with my hands, mm-hmm. and it'll make sense in a second, mm-hmm. a future teller? Like, there were a bunch of different, like, <gasps> yes. games. Oh, they still do them. Oh, yes, the I know. Children still do them. I know. I'm so happy, too, because I did have a period of time when the Katie Bell was very young. How would she learn, like, awful jokes and like how to play mash or how to play like she came home the other day playing mash not the other day what the fuck she came home this year uh playing 
MASH, or a version of MASH. And anybody who doesn't know what MASH is, you would have like M-A-S-H. And that would start this game. M stood for mansion. A stood for apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, S stood for shack. Yes. H stood for house. Kids really, yes. man, we have our finger on what the world is like. Anyway, economic problems, yeah, economic issues. And then there would be like other things, like you have to name four cars. You'd have to name. So there were four places four you'd live. Four boys, four houses. Can I just? I just have to stop real quick. Mm-hmm. And Stefan mm-hmm. and I have been like really marveling in the fact that at least for our children and the world that they are growing up in currently with their friends and school, just everything. uh, It brings me such joy that my children use language like non-binary and like everything else on the spectrum. Like, like it's like the cool thing to do. Right. And I, that makes me so happy that like the cool thing to do is to talk about being somewhere on the LGBTQ like thing. No, it really is. So like, I just, when I think about like the world I grew up in where it was like name four boys. Yes. <laughs> like I'm just like, that makes me delighted. Uh, when we got married and I was trying to be stepmom of the year, which is a yeah. whole other story. Good luck. Um, With some important <laughs> lessons learned. Yeah. We got, uh, I got some board games and I yeah. got life because I yeah. remembered loving life. Yes. And we have life at home right now too. Yeah. Yeah. The 20 year old was like, well, why are there only boys and girls? Yep. And why do you have to marry a, like immediately yes. caught on. And I was like, good for you. You're This game's the worst. Let's get rid of it. The first time we played that, Katie Bell and I sat down to play it and we, I was like, it's time to force you to get married but now we always start with the question at the beginning of the game who do you want to be right and they can pick you know blue or pink right Right. and then when it's time to get married you can pick are you gonna are you gonna marry a lady this time or are you gonna marry a man this time and of course my kids my kids are like well even though this one is blue they're (laughs) non-binary I like, yes! Okay, great. Um, I love it. Back to MASH. You had to pick four cars, four houses, four boys, four... I mean, if you wanted to get really detailed, you could go into jobs, you could go into pets, you could go into, like, cities and states. And to me, that was like a version of, like, gameplay that was about predicting the future. Yes. Ouija boards, not that, you know, don't open a hell mouth in your in your home, everybody, but the Magic 8-Ball. Yes. You know, like, all these things are about trying to predict your future as a kid. Right? And they're such childhood things, because it's, I don't know, I felt, I felt very... I loved daydreaming about what the future would be. Yeah. Like, loved. It probably could have done a little more work to prepare for it instead of just daydreaming about it, to be quite honest. Sure. Sure. But, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of stuff in childhood. And that's also, it's odd. I'm I'm trying to weed out of my vocabulary asking children what they want to be when they grow up. Because It's a hard one to weed out. Yeah. It's... It's we're so like geared to think that way. And I just think they have other things to share that are probably much more interesting. What? They don't need to have their life plan 
set up. Well, I thought I did. So well, right. I'm working on it. It's a new <laughs> development in my in my existence. My kids keep freaking out when they're like, I'll mention a job that I've had. And they'll be like, you also had that job? And I appreciate that they think my storied career past is exciting. And, yes. not, and not representative of something else probably going on right. in my life. Right. But, you know, it is funny how they talk about their jobs as well and money money is just there's no concept of money we're all no. going to be rich there's yeah <laughs> there's no question endlessly like a bottomless like pit a, of money yes bottom just comes yeah. up from the bottom like a like a wellspring really. it's a well i know well this that actually i think leads really into sort of the last thing I want to talk about this and I have a I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be but I enjoy being surprised like where are you on like how much do you let them say whatever they want to say about the future and I think does that make sense like I don't say to Ellis no you are not living with me right Uh, sometimes like like I I I have found it very easy to not negate what they think their futures will be. I do struggle, though, sometimes if I am not in a really good place and I'm Mm -hmm. very tired with, like, reality checks, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. being a total jerk to my kid. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, where are you on all that? You know... It's so hard. It's so hard because you want to be like, so um, tell me, what do you think your options would be that would help that happen? Yeah. How do you think that would? And you can immediately feel like the joy being oh, yeah. s- drained from their being. Yeah. So well, especially at that age, because you've got all the teens coming mm-hmm. and going from your house. And there is, I think, a window where... The, like, sort of childhood fun of imagining what the future is going to be. I don't need to tell my six-year-old that money is not going to just spring from a well. I don't think that serves a purpose, especially if I'm talking about things like jobs and how, like, in other situations, I'm talking about how, where money comes from, right? Right. I don't need to do a lecture on that when they're fantasizing about their future. I'll do it at the store or some other place, right? Like, there's lots of other places to crush their spirit. so thoughtful of you. That's really thoughtful. I thank you. But as they get older, there is a a little bit more like, okay, well, how, how will that work? And you're right. It's a real joy kill. Like, to ask them that question. And for me, I hated it when my parents did that. And yet, I know that they were coming from a place of trying to help me. Yes. Right? Like, I don't want my children to just think that everything is just going to come the way they imagine it. Like, things, you're not going to learn piano just because you want to be a pianist, right? Like, Right. You have their steps. There's this whole practice bit. Yeah, there's, God, my children hate practicing. The Uh, 10-year-old has been doing this a lot lately where she's sad. Like, I think she wants, we're in an apartment and she wants us to move to a house. And we would love to move to a house. And so she keeps coming at this and being like, 
But could you just save some money? Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you trying hard enough to get me a house? So oh, I, I keep trying to explain it like gently, right? Finding that yeah. balance between being like gently saying like, so we are pretty good at saving money actually. And let me let me break it down for you. But I get like two sentences in and yeah. she's gone. She's gone. She doesn't yeah. really want to know. No. No, they don't. They no, like like She's all like, of us. Bye. Yeah, all of us. We only want the rosy future that we imagine, yeah. and without any of the actual information that we might need to execute that future. Because for the most part, that's no fun. No, it's not. No. Every time I start the sentence, okay, so imagine you had at your job, you made $100 every yeah. month. Oh, they're She's out the door. They're out the gone. door. They're gone. gone. They I are... killed it. I tried <laughs> responsible budgeting lectures. <laughs> not even lectures, just exercises. Yeah. Mind experiments, yeah. if you will. Sure. Did not work. No. I have failed. Yeah. Nope. Real quick. Wrap mm-hmm. up question. What... Outside of the, is there anything that you imagined for your future that you wanted for yourself that you did get, but uh, wasn't at all what you imagined? Yes. Ah. I definitely wanted, like, a big household with a lot of kids. Yep. It just got delivered very differently. All at once. how I thought it was going to happen. <laughs> And my uh, my lower back. Oh yeah. And my uterus think <laughs> the universe. That's that's day. pretty good. One bad mother is supported in part by Care.com. In this time of need, Care.com is really here to help you. Do you have too much on your plate? Yes! Care.com can help you find reliable sitters and nannies to help you make your workdays a little easier. You can also find a tutor to help your child continue learning from home if your schools are closed down. With tools and information to guide families through the hiring process, reviews, background checks, Care.com provides a platform for finding all kinds of family care, from child care to senior care, errands, housekeeping, and pet care. Teresa and I both have Care.com premium memberships. I cannot emphasize enough what a gift it's been to be able to find support, especially when we live where we have no family. To save 30% off a Care.com premium membership, visit care.com slash badmother or use promo code badmother. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week as well as our failures and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius, fail time, Rebecca. Genius me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, 
are a genius. Oh my god, that's fucking genius. Okay, I'm really proud of this one. Okay. So my husband, our our kids are do not have like overnights with us and his kids from his first marriage and he misses them so much. He loves yeah. them so much. And sometimes he will just, especially since we've been home, this has been happening more. He will just come up to me. You know, I'm like working or yeah. doing something productive. And he will come up to me with a baby picture of one of my stepchildren <laughs> and be like, look at them. <laughs> he loves them so much. And he misses also, you know, these big teenagers. He misses those little babies. Yeah. And so I, for Father's Day, because we just had Father's Day on Sunday, I had the best idea. I got, I ordered a bunch of scrapbooking materials. And also, of course, when the kids come over on Sunday, they come over Sunday afternoons and we're all stuck in the same walls as always. And there's, feels like there's nothing to do. So it's also difficult to come up with activities. So anyway, I get all these scrapbooking materials. I put out an extra folding table and we made a big album of all these pictures of him with the kids when they were little and everybody made their own pages. And now he has like this adorable scrapbook of him. Oh, with all the kids. good job. I did. That was really good. <laughs> that is did really a good job. You did a good job. Okay. So I had, so I. <laughs> started a journal when this whole pandemic thing started and that in itself was a genius because I had a place to put my thoughts and I haven't been using it as much as I should but I recently just took one of the pages in it and I have started a list of all the things the kids are like learning or have like sort of developmentally kind of achieved if that makes sense like just like a list like Katie Bell has learned, like, they do some of these, like, little out, um, some of these little classes online in the summer um, mm-hmm. from the website, from a website, and, like, she learned how to make rice balls, and she's making them, like, all by herself, and they're delicious. Ellis has started getting the newspaper every morning for us, like, it gives him real purpose. That's really lovely. There, he's learning how to use the stove, he, he, you know, like, just, like, basically a list of, like, Katie Bell and I have been playing badminton in the yard, so technically mm. we've learned how to play badminton and jacks. Like, just, like, a list, because I, I can be so overwhelmed by how hard uh, a time I'm having that it's kind mm-hmm. of nice and for them I want them to see like how much they actually did mm-hmm. over this time period so that's what I've been doing good job Thank that you. I hope that helps on like diff- more the more difficult days yeah it does Hi, Biz and Teresa. I am calling with a genius. I'm pretty excited about this. We have had the same monitor for over three years since my first son was born. We have a baby and have a master that's on a different floor from the kids' room, so we use the monitor all the time. The battery dies within about 30 seconds of using it and has for close to three years now. We've just been putting up with it, dragging the charger around with us everywhere we go. And I just realized that you can buy a replacement battery for $10 on Amazon. I don't know why I waited three years to do that, but I'm very excited that now my monitor will hold a charge for at least an hour or two when the kids are sleeping and we are doing things around the house. 
So that's my genius. Everyone's doing a great job. Thanks. Yay! That was genius. That is totally genius. Sometimes you just got to Google that shit and solve your problem. And I (laughs) what I really like, though, is this is totally one of those geniuses that are like, I just imagine telling anybody that genius and then being like, or even telling them the problem. Yes. And like, just the like, why don't you get a fucking new battery? Right? Like, yes. and it's like, no, 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 no. That's not how. You don't life, understand. That's not how my brain or life works anymore. Right. No, 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 no. I don't think <laughs> of this until 830 at night. Yeah. And then I have to act on it then. Nope. Too late. No. That's, Busy putting my child down forever. I bet if I say it three times in my head, I'll remember it tomorrow. <laughs> nope. Nope. Hence, three years later, you respond to an email. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, Rebecca. Oh. All right. So the other night, my my child is 15 months old, and he's delightful in so many ways. However... Mm. He's a real pain in the ass to put to bed. Oh. Uh, mm. It's the worst. Doesn't like to go down easy? No. <laughs> Not at all. He wants to party all the time. Nice. So, and and here's the thing. Whatever does work, mm. right? Like, as soon as I find the thing that does work, it maybe works for two to three days, and then it's it never, ever works again. It's just, it's over. Yeah, no, it's over. And I just get so mad because I'm standing there or sitting or laying or whatever for two hours being like, you know what else I could be doing right now? I could yeah. be doing this and that and that and that. So the other night, I am now trying like the third or fourth thing and we're laying down on the bottom bunk of the big kid's bunk bed in his room and he crawls over to me and he puts his right cheek like on my face and then... <laughs> I'm just, I'm left there, like, how, how do we get to this moment? Yeah. So I have decided that I'm failing so badly at putting him to sleep mm. that I'm all done. Yeah. And You're I'm now going done. to be, like, a European, and he's just going to fall asleep on the floor when he's ready. <laughs> I'm done. It's summer. I don't have anywhere to be in the morning. Forget it. That kid's just going to fall. There's... There's nothing I hated more than people coming over to my house and saying they'll fall asleep. Just let and I was just like, sleep. they they don't. This child could go for 24 hours. I and, swear to God. And you don't want to deal with that. You don't then. want to deal with that. I know. Well, you're doing a horrible job. I am. Well, how could you not make a baby that just falls asleep really quickly? Um, it's it's definitely your fault. I'm failing. Yeah, yeah. I have horrible. failed motherhood. Oh, man. Put it on Facebook. Get some support, quote unquote. <laughs> Woo, that's bad. All right. My failure. I'm going to go easy on myself this week. Good for you. I could spend time on how I've ruined my children's lives just probably by even being on a podcast about being a mom. But. <laughs> I'm going to put that aside and instead focus on the fact that I can't get bread right in our house. Like, I have been, since the pandemic, I have been, like, the master of, like, shopping for food 
and going like three weeks, we could even go a little longer if we really needed to, right? But like- That is impressive. No, I'm like, we're, like I have been, yeah, no, I feel very good about that, except somehow, like there's only one person in the family who eats the white bread and that's Ellis and that shit is gone. Like, like it should be, like I get two loaves, and then, like, somehow no one's eating bread anymore. And then, like, if I get just the one loaf because, well, this is just a quick trip to the store because we were also out of milk, mm-hmm. that's gone. Like, I can't time out bread anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go to the store ever again. It stresses me the fuck out. And so, like, every time I open the, like, the door in the kitchen where the bread lives, it just... it. It dwindles, and every time I see its dwindling, sad bag, I think, I don't want to have to get any more of you. Yeah. Because Ellis isn't going to eat peanut butter and fucking jelly on anything other than shitty white bread. So, Mm. you know, whatever. You suck. I do. I'm a horrible bread buyer. (laughs) Hi, Biz and Teresa. This is a fail. Well, it finally happened. He is a week away from being 16 months old, and he has eaten cat food. Yeah. You're doing a great job. The jury is out if I am. Thank you for the show. Bye. Yeah, uh, my question is, what took you so long, kid? This cat food's been down here on the ground this whole time. Welcome to the cat food party. (laughs) For a while, there was only one way I could get Katie Bell to eat, and that was to put food on the floor in a bowl and call her a cat. So, like, (laughs) you know, I I see it as just preparing to learn to eat a different way, maybe. I think also... Uh, no, that's yeah, not. No, com- no, no, you're doing a horrible job. Yeah, I mean, no, like you're the worst. I, Rebecca was really trying to find some way to maybe spin that. Well, as well I mean, but- developmentally, they are learning everything about their world by putting things in their mouth. But, but you <laughs> should feel bad about. Yes, it. you, you should definitely stay awake at night thinking about it. Oh, and you will. Don't worry. <laughs> you will. We'll all see you at two o'clock in the morning. Definitely. <laughs> you are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. Woo! We've got a Jumbotron. I love Jumbotrons. This Jumbotron is for Melissa. Melissa, are you listening? This is a message from Teresa. You are strong, loving, and resilient. And Franklin is so lucky to have you as a mom. You are doing an amazing job. Melissa, Yes, you are. You are doing an amazing job. One Bad Mother is supported in part by KiwiCo. Parents, 
You might feel like your kid's summer vacation started way early if you've been at home together. <laughs> and now actual summer vacation is here, like right now, like we're in it. KiwiCo provides super awesome projects sent right to your door. They have different kits for different ages. Ellis and Katie Bell have been getting KiwiCo for years. Ellis has built Push Vacuum. He has built a little walking robot. Katie Bell has received art projects that involve creating hanging crochet planters. <laughs> There's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel anytime. KiwiCo is redefining play with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get your first month free on select crates at kiwico.com slash badmother. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash badmother. This week, we are talking to Shonda Austin, who is a new author and resides in Atlanta, Georgia. She is an educator who has worked in education for over 21 years. Kiana's Braids is her first published book. She is the mother of an amazing 14-year-old daughter, and she and I went to Central High School together a very long time ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's going to make me want to sing Central High football game cheers, but I will not do that. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Shonda. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate this opportunity. Oh, I was so excited to see that this when this book came up on the old alumni Facebook group. So I'm glad that you could join us. But before we get into Kiana's braids, I wanted to ask you, uh, who lives in your house? So I have my lovely and amazing 14-year-old, <laughs> and that's it. It's just she and I. Um, I am a divorcee, and we are just here. We are sheltering in place still doing very little movement so it's just being not here and, and and if you know anything about teenagers uh, I just go check every day just to make sure she's living and breathing and she has food <laughs> oh. <laughs> so as long as she is living and breathing we're good so oh. I, I per periodically I'll go upstairs and check on her. <laughs> well how are you uh doing with the sheltering in place and the pandemic and everything how are you how are you doing i am good you know it's an adjustment and 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 we because i am in education and i mm. actually work for the school district we've had to just shift some things that we're doing but we're still trying to serve kids for example today um i met some families at uh, one of our elementary schools to give out summer backpacks so yeah. you know it's just a shift it's been very quiet. I've been able to get a lot of things done. Uh, it, it's one of those things that you look up and you're like, okay, well, if I don't get it done today, I can do it tomorrow because I'll be at home. <laughs> so it's been it's been good. It's been good. I've been able to walk in the mornings and oh. kind of just breathe a little differently, to be honest with you. That's nice. I actually think that is a wonderful report. And I just want to say thank you for everything you're doing as an educator. Uh, you guys, everybody who's working in education right now, holy cow, that's a lot. So thank you on behalf of everybody in the world. <laughs> 
I appreciate that. I really do. Well, this is your first book, Kiana's Braids. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. I would like to hear uh, how you decided to write a children's book and your inspiration for the story. So the inspiration, it's, it's a three-part inspiration. Uh, one part was to really get the messaging out about Black hair and what mm. that looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. I think there's a subculture in the Black community with going to the hair salon that's very different from probably any other ethnicity. So you, you almost have this it's a family situation where, you know, I've been with my same stylist for 21 years and she's become a part of my family. And I remember when my daughter was able to go to the beauty salon, now she's a part of that that community. So mm. that was one part. The second part was really my daughter. She was she was the one of the inspirations behind this book. As I said before, she's a 14 year old and we really struggle with her hair, the texture mm. of it. And so my stylist suggested that, you know, why don't you try some braids with her? And so we did. And when I tell you, it literally changed. It was like a 180 in my house, how she felt <laughs> about herself, um, how she looked at herself. Oh. And it, it really just changed some things for her self-esteem. So that's the second part of it. And the third part of it, it as you read, um, I try to do just a snapshot of the history of braids. It's yeah. not just a protective styling it's really uh, a correlation between the transatlantic slave movement and also um, just what, what happened to our ancestors in Africa and how, you know, a lot of times there was a correlation between origin and religion. So I wanted to pull those pieces out because a lot of times it's just looked at as a hairstyle. And, and I really wanted to give people this, uh, this snapshot uh, of the culture of it and it's not just a hairstyle it's just not just the protective hairstyle for women of color it's really some history behind it some really rich history which i loved in the book there's a rhythm to the book mm -hmm. and i don't know how intentional that was but i felt as i was reading it that there was a real sense of journey and rhythm if that makes sense does that make sense yeah, no, it was intentional. And, okay. I, and so from beginning to end, it was very intentional because two things for little girls who are not of color, I wanted them to experience the journey. And yeah. for, girls, for little girls of color, the feedback that I've gotten is like, oh, my God, I could feel this story. Like, I could yeah. really feel it. And so <laughs> that's been great to get that kind of feedback back, especially as a first time author. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. I want to... the. It's a story about this young girl, Kiana, who's about to get her hair braided for the very first time, and she's really excited. And it's, it is, it's about celebrating her heritage and her family, which I really like. People of color and hair is a big place people can step in it. There is a lot surrounding and tied into, I think, really the, our history of you know, systemic racism in our country is tied into the this mystique, this other that I think people have put on people of color's hair. And so what is your own personal history uh, as a child? How did you, your relationship with hair and braids and history? 
So interesting enough, um, I grew up like in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, yeah. and my family owned a beauty su- a supply ah, store. There you growing go. Up. So the whole subculture of the salon I was a part of. <laughs> um, I remember, you know, going to my father's uh, store, which was downtown Tuscaloosa. And I would help them package hair goods up. And we would go to salons. We would go to salons on Saturday. So I've been a part of that community since I was little. And my my parents, my my uncle and my father, they owned Ebony Beauty Salon. Or I'm sorry, Ebony Beauty Supply. And it was downtown Tuscaloosa. Oh, my gosh. And, yes. I didn't yeah. know. That's how I yeah. remember it. Yeah. So I I grew up in that space. And so, like I said, it's a subculture, I think, for Black women in particular, because it's a healing ground. It's a healing yeah. space. It's a, it's a space that you can go and, and, and people can you, can, you can really heal. So for me, that, that personal piece, when you talk about personal stories, because we all have one, mm-hmm. I watched, you know, my, my father and my uncle, you know, really build this, this beauty supply store. And, and we would just go from salon to salon to salon. And, and I would get my hair done like in these salons and and um, it was a part it really was a part of my childhood now texture wise I never really had braids growing up you know I always say I have this like really really soft hair and so my hair could never really hold the braids as as a, in this natural space but just to kind of circle back to what you said about hair and black people black hair unfortunately has been dehumanized yeah I say that with unapologetically when you see states like California have having to put a bill out saying you can't discriminate against black women or black men because of their hair. <laughs> and I have been told, you know, as a natural hair wearer, you know, if you go to an interview, you need to straighten your hair. And so uh-huh. I want to give black girls and women a platform to say, listen, this is a part of my body. This is a part of my God-given yes. right. And it shouldn't be discriminated against because it might not look like or feel like what the beauty industry standard has created for, for just people in general. And, um, so for me, I hope that when little girls read it, whether they're black or white, they will find some some pride in what God has given them. I agree. And it's one of the reasons why your book stood out to me because not only is there a continued demand for books that represent a variety of people, (laughs) but I think this definitely, what's nice about this book is it is so beautiful about this journey for Kiana to get her braids and all of the history with it and the rhythm and just the entire feel of the book. The pride really comes out. I, I think this might be a good space to give a shout out to my illustrator who was Oh, William that's what Faye I wanted Layla. to ask next. Yes, that's yeah. what I was going to ask you next was so, about your illustrator. Yeah, he is out of Jacksonville, Florida, and you know, we it took us about a year to to uh, really about a year to get through the illustrations because I was very specific about how I wanted the illustrations to look. I did Good. not want to see like I wanted to see black girls with black features, not white kids that were color brown. Does that make sense? <laughs> Do you and mean like times, Barbies? Do you mean like exactly. do you mean like black Barbies? <laughs> exactly. So I mean because I am in education and I've yeah. actually 
on the corporate side of education. So being able to see the character, mm -hmm. I think that when you think about illustrators, being able to pull that out and say, and, and we would go back and forth a lot. And we did a lot of pictures over a couple of times because colorism was important to me. Yeah. Um, characterization was important to me. And I wanted little girls. And I'll give you a quick story. Um, I have a girlfriend who bought the book and her, she, she was doing a read along with her little girl who's two. And she said, oh my God, Parker was touching her hair the whole time saying, mommy, my hair. And I said, see, that's what I want kids to be able to yeah. look at this book and say, they, they have some kind of, there's some kind of relationship. Uh, and I, I feel like that's probably the reason why I was a struggling reader in elementary because they're just what, it, it, when we grew up in the 70s, yeah. you know, it was Dick and Jane, honestly. Yeah, it was and, Dick and um, Jane at Alberta Elementary School. That is exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, um, the very first book that I was introduced to as an adult, I need you to understand this, as an wow. adult, as an educator, as a first-year teacher was Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters. And that book really changed how I look at books and how they should depict children of color. Ugh. And I mean, it's a beautiful story. It's uh, illustrated beautifully. And just, it was, it, it's still one of my favorite books um, to, to present to children. And not oh, just during Black History Month. That, <laughs> that we could also sidetrack on months. But yep. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, ah. Anyway, first, I just want to say thank you so much for writing this book. This book is beautiful. Thank you. I'm going to make sure my libraries and schools know about it. And we will, as always, encourage our listeners to do the exact same thing so that more and more books uh, are out there for people to connect to in different ways. I love books. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Shonda. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. I'm so excited. Like, I just feel like a kid in a candy ah! store. <laughs> well, hopefully we will help get more people uh, aware of the book. And yeah, I just, good job. Good job. I love it. So again, we're going to make sure that everybody is linked to where they can get a copy of the books. You can start by going to kianasbraids.com. Uh, we'll have the link in the show notes, as well as we will link everybody up to Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters uh, that you were mentioning as uh, another good book to check out. Thank you so much and uh, for Thank joining you. us and good luck with your first book. Thank you. I'm working on the second one. Kiana is going to go to Africa next. So I'm Woo! super excited about her going to Africa. Um, I think it's a nice part too, considering her mother is from West Africa. So I've never been to Africa. I am a traveler, but um, this was the year to go to Ghana and, uh, you know, everything got shut down. Oh. So I've been immersing myself in the West African culture so that I can really do a good story around her grandmother in this adventure in Africa with her grandmother. I love it. I think that's wonderful. Let us know when you're ready for that one to come out and we'll have you back on and talk about that adventure. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you.
I started listening to Ono, Ross, and Carrie shortly after I broke my arm, and the doctor had told me I'd never walk again. I couldn't get my book started. I was lost, honestly. I knew it was time to make a change. There's something about Oh No, Ross and Carrie that you just can't get anywhere else. They're thought leaders, discoverers, founders. I'd call them heroes. Ross and Carrie don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. They take part themselves. They show up so you don't have to. But you might find that you want to. My arm is better. I can walk again. I wrote an entire book this weekend. It's terrible, but I did it. Just go to MaximumFun.org. Thank you, Ross and Carrie. Ona Ross and Carrie is just a podcast. It doesn't do anything. It's just sounds you listen to in your ears. All these people are made up. Goodbye. Friendly Fire is a podcast about war movies, but it's so much more than that. It's history. It was just supposed to be another assignment. It's comedy. Under no circumstances are you to engage the enemy. It's cinema studies. It's a hell of a combination. So subscribe and download Friendly Fire on your podcatcher of choice or at MaximumFun.org. Well, there's nothing that brings out my accent like talking to somebody from my hometown of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. That was so nice talking to Shonda. Guys, the book, Kiana's Braids, it's beautiful. It is a wonderful book to add to your library, to make sure that your library is carrying it, to make sure that your school has got copies of it. It is, what have we been talking about? One of the ways we can help instill change is to do it by supporting authors who are out there and books uh, that show diversity in our own communities. So go buy several copies of this book and go give them out. You know what I also like giving out (laughs) is time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, ladies. I'm calling with a rant slash breakdown. Um, I have a three-week-old. I'm a first-time mom, and I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Uh, She just suddenly, we had to take her to the doctor for a cardiac ultrasound because she had a heart murmur. Um, It's fine, but it just was really stressful for her. She had to get another ultrasound on her hip because she was breech. And ever since then, she just, she refuses to nap unless she's on my body, and she won't accept a baby carrier so I've literally been holding her pretty much 24-7 except when she sleeps at night. And I just I just don't know how much longer I can do this. <laughs> she screams the second she touches anything that's not my arms or my chest. And I just want, you know, just enough time to go get a drink or use the bathroom. And I just, my husband only got a week off of work and he's been gone for two weeks. And this is, I know this would be hard, but God, this is so hard. I'm sorry, I'm just so tired, and I love her so much, it just hurts my heart to hear her cry, but there's nothing I can do without holding her, and I just feel kind of trapped, you know? I know it'll get better, and I just needed to talk to somebody about it. Thank you so much. I love your show. Bye. You are doing such a good job. And I see you. I see you really hard. I I completely understand where you are coming from. 
I want to say first, you started off the rant by saying you're a new mom and you don't know what you're doing. And I just want to stop you and say, it sounds like you know exactly uh, what to do. You're listening to your instincts. You took your child in to get checked out with the heart murmur. That is, that in itself is incredibly stressful and emotionally exhausting. Okay, that just right there, all alone, on its own, is so much. And then you add on it, it just the fact that there is a baby in your house. Okay, like that, <laughs> that also is enough on its own. And lastly, having a baby that needs to be on you all the time, it is its own experience. And I, I really see you. I, this was my experience with Ellis. And I can remember, you know, he never slept, like, especially during the day for naps. He wouldn't do it if I wasn't holding him. And even then he wasn't sleeping. He just wasn't screaming. And I remember I just needed, and I was all alone. Uh, Stefan was at work and Katie Bell was at school. And I remember thinking people, hey, the neighbors are going to think I'm doing some sort of horrible job. And I remember another time finally just putting him down in the crib and coming to the other side of the door and like hysterically crying because he was screaming and I couldn't fix it. That feeling is so overwhelming. And just the, that feeling of being trapped, it brought up even darker feelings for me of like, where are your needs now compared to the needs of this child? And again, we have a culture that tells us it is supposed to feel incredibly natural for us to meet those needs and that it is natural for our needs to not mean anything to us. And this is a really screwed up narrative. And it's why we're all losing our minds. Okay. No, I don't know how to help you help the baby sleep without you. I had no luck at it. <laughs> Hence, listen to last week's show. Okay. <laughs> but I do see you and the tired that you feel and the isolation that you're feeling and the just emotional draining and self-identity being robbed from you. Feeling, those are all real. I see you. We all see you. You are not alone. You are doing an absolutely amazing job. Guys, what did we learn this week? We learned that the future is bright and shiny, at least in the minds of our children for the most part, which is pretty good. I think we also learned that six-year-olds uh, have no desire to understand fiscal responsibility when it comes to how to achieve their dreams of being millionaires and living with their mother forever. <laughs> Let's just let them keep dreaming. They've got their teen years for us to crush their spirit and hopes. Everybody, you're doing an amazing job. 
everything's still completely upside down. There is so much uncertainty, and I think we need to give ourselves credit for the effects that can have on us. It's just really hard when we don't know what the next step is going to be. Everybody is having to give a lot extra right now. Everybody has got a lot going on that we cannot see, but we see you. We see just the idea that there's more going on (laughs) than what we all look like on the outside in a Zoom meeting, okay? You're doing an amazing job. I would like to say thank you so much to Rebecca for making all of the different and weird efforts and learning, recording and mics and everything to do this. I had a really nice time talking with you and I actually hope you'll come back so we can talk a little bit maybe about your experience uh, as a stepmom. Teresa, uh, you are doing an amazing job. I had such a nice time visiting with you last week on the show. Um, I I miss you very much, but I continue to support you taking whatever time you need. And we appreciate the community being so supportive. And I appreciate all the guests and guest co-hosts and everybody who's just been going along for the ride with us. So, Teresa, you are doing a very good job. I also want to say a big thank you to Hannah, our producer, who is just doing more than is being asked. And we, uh, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you, Hannah, being here every week with me. Um, you can never go anywhere ever again. <laughs> Everybody, you've got this, even when you don't, okay? And I will talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>